Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we discuss the bond market, why investing in bonds may be beneficial in the current environment, the risks involved, and what to consider if you are investing in bonds. With Maya Welford, behavioural finance expert, Chris Bamford, head of fixed income manager selection, and Alan Budenberg, investment consultant. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Word on the Street. As interest rates have risen, this changes how we invest and the opportunities available. So today we're thinking about the opportunities in the bond market. To join me with this discussion, I'm joined by Chris Bamford, head of fixed income manager selection and Alan Budenberg, investment consultant. Alan, can I come to you first for an update on the markets this week? You certainly can. Yes. Hello, Maya. Hello, everyone. A couple of interesting things this week. Let's start with equity markets. Now, they struggled to climb higher this week. We saw a little bit of a dip last week. We've had news from China. Some of their exports obviously come through, and that's kept risk appetite really at bay. Now, what we've been looking at, looking at our in-house market sentiment indicator, and actually that's no longer quite as elevated as it was. So that's quite supportive. And so really is the growth background. Seen some news from the IMF over the last couple of weeks about growth views. So those things are really supportive for equities at the moment. Now, we're talking about bonds today. So let's have a think about bonds. Now, bonds yields, they rose last week, particularly in the U.S. Think about what happened with the U.S. debt and government uh, downgrades and some of those auction sizes that were slightly bigger. So that obviously concerned the market. Now, whilst there were concerns last week, this week, we've actually seen buyers coming back into that market. And we're seeing some of those increased yields. People were seeing they were looking attractive, which is a really good introduction for today. Thanks, Alan. That's super helpful. So, Chris, it's really good to be speaking with you today and welcome back onto the podcast. To start at the very beginning, can you outline what a bond is? Thanks, Maya. It's great to be back on. Uh, Yeah, sure. Issuing a bond or a bond is typically how a government or a company will borrow money to finance itself. So what are they? Well, in simple terms, they're an agreement to borrow money over a defined period. Often this can be five or 10 years, but really it can be anything. And some institutions have even borrowed money via a bond for over 100 years. Now, institutions can borrow money in various different currencies. Mainly we see dollars, but often euros, sterling and any other currency you can think of. Um, And to compensate the lender, the borrower will pay uh, interest via a coupon. Now, the coupon is usually fixed, but sometimes it can be variable, much like a tracker mortgage. Now... For corporate borrowers, that coupon is determined often by the the rate that the underlying government can borrow at, plus an additional level of compensation for the perceived level of credit risk. It is important to understand that the price of these bonds can be highly sensitive to changes in both that government bond interest rate, but also the compensation investors require to bear the level of risk associated with that borrower. Thank you, Chris. That's really clear. And Alan, have you got any other reflections on this? Yes, they are quite popular, as Chris said, these bonds. So that's a bit of history here. We'll be very proud of us on this one, Maya. It's worth noting the first UK government bond issued issued in 1693, and that was to finance the war against France. And the reason that they've been popular since that date, a couple of reasons, really. One, institutions, governments, they can come directly to people to finance that. Uh, but here's the key. 
for you, you're the lender. You're not a saver here. So you receive the interest and returns from funding companies and governments borrowing. Thanks, Alan, and thanks, Chris, for sharing that. So building on this then, Chris, why should someone get invested in bonds? Yeah, so, so taking a step back, when we think about investing in bonds traditionally, uh, and this is high-quality bonds, really, we think about three different drivers. Firstly, income, uh, and income levels are, are definitely higher than they were in the past, uh, given the recent moves. Uh, capital preservation, and here we're not talking about preservation of the, the price itself, but the fact that when you lend money to an issuer, uh, let's say you lend them 100, 100 pounds at maturity, they're going to give you that 100 back. Uh, and in general, we think you know, default rates are, are reasonably low at the moment. And then there's sort of those diversification benefits versus other risk assets. Now, you know, certainly over the last 18 months, two years, those haven't necessarily been there, but you know, we're starting to see uh, some, some improvements in sort of the diversification benefits there as well. Um, now, investors will typically receive a higher level of income for investing in lower quality bonds, uh, but this generally means that your capital preservation and diversification benefits will fall. Uh, but no, generally, I think uh, those three key rationales for investing in high quality bonds, income, capital preservation and diversification are still in play. Thanks, Chris. So reflecting on recent asset allocation changes, and I know that the team have come along to this podcast to share those recent changes, we've added to some of our bond positions in portfolios. Chris, why is now an interesting time for this? So we have just been through a really tough period for bond investors, as, as many of our listeners will know. If I go back uh, a couple of years ago, I, I don't think anybody expected inflation to get to kind of the levels that we have, we have seen, and certainly not as persistently as we've seen. Now, in order to react to this, central banks have had to really respond aggressively. And so the Bank of England, for example, has raised rates 14 times uh, since, since it started this hiking cycle. For fixed coupon bonds, this has meant prices have had to fall materially in order for those bonds to align to the current interest environment. More recently, we're starting to see inflation trending lower, particularly in the US, and it, and it seems that central banks are getting far close to the peak in this hiking cycle than, they, they, than obviously they were. Growth has held up reasonably well, although may well slow, but certainly better than commentators expected. And so, you know, if we've got a, a lower inflation environment and we've got, uh, you know, growth is, is holding up relatively okay, then that tends to be a reasonably good environment for high quality uh, fixed income assets. Now, clearly there are some risks out there when it comes to both growth and inflation. However, over the long term, we think investors now are compensated far better for owning high quality bonds. Thanks, Chris. And that's really nicely brought us on to thinking a bit more about the risks so, and, the, and the risks associated with investing in bonds. So one of the difficult things to understand about bonds is how they're valued. So, for example, last year we saw in the UK, the, the UK government bond index fell by around 15%. And, and Chris, you've kind of alluded to this already. Alan, bringing you in here, how can that happen if you're buying a low risk investment, which is backed by the government? Yeah, it's a pretty difficult one to explain that. And uh, so my job, my area as well, I spend a lot of my time out with clients and I've had to explain that quite a lot, particularly if you've got a low risk portfolio. If you think I've got a low risk portfolio, I've got more bonds in my portfolio, or even if you've got a pension and your, your pension, you're close to drawdown of that pension, those typically move into more bonds. So the thing to remember here is typically when you're buying a bond, as Chris has talked about, you've got a fixed rate investment. 
So really the price is how attractive that fixed rate is compared to other current interest rates at the moment. So let's bring that to life. So let's say you've got a bond that's, for example, let's say 3%. So when you've got interest rates at 1%, then that bond looks really attractive. But when you've got interest rates, as we've seen now, that move into more 4 5% and beyond, um, that, then the price of that bond, that moves to reflect current interest rates. And remember, Mike, the, the key thing to this is not just base rates that are important. Base rates, the policy rate of, the, of these governments are important, but the bond market looks at longer term rates. So when you hear about mortgage rates in the news, those are priced slightly differently because they're longer term money compared to base rates, which is obviously short term money now. Thanks, Alan. I think it's, it's, again, a helpful reminder that we do need to be thinking about that longer term as well. And Chris, what are the other risks we should be thinking about? So I think when you're looking at high quality bonds, I think there are really two key risks that, that we need to focus on. One is sort of interest rate risk and the other is credit risk. Now, the, the risk that we, we're exposed to here is that if interest rates continue to move higher, then as Alan has spoken about, then those prices are going to continue to have to adjust lower. Even in, a, uh, even in the current high interest rate higher interest rate environment that we're in at the moment. It's also important to remember that the price on longer maturity bonds, so thinking a 30-year bond or, or, or even longer, they're going to be far more sensitive to changes in interest rates. So as interest rates move higher, their prices will fall more aggressively than for shorter maturity bonds, thinking here, you know, one-year bonds, two-year bonds, three-year bonds, etc. So on one side of it, you've got the interest rate risk. The second side that we need to think about is the credit risk. Now, clearly, if the economic environment continues to worsen, the chances are that companies will start to get into trouble and maybe even default. Now, in that scenario, investors are going to require greater compensation to invest in companies, driving the price further down. Typically, these two risks often move in opposite directions to each other and offset each other to some extent. So you know, in an economic downturn, your compensation for credit needs to go up, but the government is cutting interest rates, and so you're getting a benefit on that side. Unfortunately, the environment we've just been in for the last 18 months, two years, which has been an inflationary-driven environment, we've obviously seen interest rates move higher at the same time as credit at times proving weaker, and, and that is a, a really bad environment for, for fixed income. Thank you, Chris. And you've just mentioned that inflationary environment. And of course, another significant risk is inflation. So, Alan, why is this so important? Yeah, bonds hate inflation. Uh, and that's because, as we talked about earlier, typically when you're buying these bonds, you're getting a fixed rate of return. So let's go back to the example we talked about, the 3% bonds. So as inflation is low and you're getting a fixed coupon of 3%, then you're still getting a re real return on your money. But if inflation is higher, as we've seen, then even though if you're getting a coupon or return of 3%, actually in real terms, that's negative. So what happens is the valuations of these bonds reflect the inflation outlook because they also know that inflation can impact the actions of central banks. So if you start to see a data release, be it inflation, be it employment numbers, be it anything, that tells you that the economy is heating up and therefore inflation may heat up, then that obviously affects the price of your bonds. And as, as Chris has described, those interest rates is the changes of those interest rates that affects the prices of bonds, Maya. 
Thanks, Alan. So, so far, we've talked about the risks and the potential benefits of bonds. But if listeners are interested, what should they be thinking about in terms of investing? Chris, I'll come to you for that. So, I mean, I think when we when we look at how we approach investing in, in fixed income, generally, we look to incorporate both active and passive strategies. Um, so to break that down, active funds are funds that are really trying to outperform a, a a broad market or an index, whereas passive funds are aiming to sort of deliver the same outcome as those those indices. Now, for bond investors, we we generally think over the long term, there is the opportunity to add value through active returns. And so over the longer term, we generally prefer to invest in funds and we generally prefer to invest in active funds. So why is that? Well, firstly, I think it's important to understand the breadth of the universe that is available to us. Um, the, the, the landscape, for example, take a typical bank. Uh, a typical bank will have a single equity, but it will have uh, thousands of different bonds uh, available for us to invest in, in different currencies, in different uh, sort of levels of credit risk, different maturities, etc. That opportunity set extends across all of the different issuers that we have. And in the corporate space alone, there are well over 300,000 different corporate bonds out there today. So we've got this really big opportunity set that we can choose from. Secondly, the universe is constantly changing. Uh, so bonds mature every year. Bonds get repaid early. Uh, new bonds get issued. And again, active managers can add value through uh, taking advantage of those, those sort of changes. We also see situations where companies get into trouble. And often this is evidenced through or can be seen through through the, the fundamentals of the company, looking at the company accounts, talking to management, etc. So, you know, we can look to try and avoid those defaults and those downgrades and, and again, add value through that side of things. And so when you look at it, you've got this really big opportunity set, you've got a lot of information, and you can add value by investing in different markets, whether that's sterling or dollars or euros, at different qualities, different sectors, different issuers. And as I pointed out, even within capital structures, there's a wide variation in terms of the number of issues that we can allocate to. So really exciting opportunity set. Now, it's certainly not always the case that all active managers can outperform. However, you know, we believe that there are a small number of exceptional managers out there that can add value through a number of these diverse channels. And we really do spend a lot of time trying to identify that small subset of managers. Thanks, Chris. That was really helpful and insightful as well. And if you look at the fact sheet of the bond fund, what are the numbers which you should be looking at, Alan? As Chris said, if you're looking to invest, investing through funds, the first place you go to is is, is the fact sheet, because that really gives you your sort of ideas of, of what to look for. But typically on a bond fund, there's loads of different numbers. So you think, well, well what should I have a look at? And you firstly, you probably start at the, the coupon or the yield of the fund. That's the first starting point. You're thinking, what am I going to get paid? But there's other numbers on there that are just as and more important. So one of them is called the yield to maturity, which sounds very grand. But what that means is that you, when you buy a bond, you may buy that below par. So as Chris talked about buying one for a pound, you might buy it below a pound. So what you get is not just the coupon of your bond, but actually that increase in capital value. So if you look at that increase in capital value or potential increase in capital value and your coupon, add those together and annualize it out, it's called the yield to maturity. So that's a really important number. 
There's another one on there that's called the yield to worst. And what that does is then adjust the yield to maturity for any bonds that may call early, so that may redemption that may call early. Other numbers to look on there, look at the credit risk. So think about the level of risk which that manager is taking to achieve that return. And then finally, we talked to this about this before, but the duration or the term of the bond. And that tells you how sensitive it is to interest rate changes. Now, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. As we've talked about risk, that can be equal reward as well. So it may be that you want to have a longer duration if you think rates are high and there is the potential for those to come down in the future. Thanks, Alan. And Chris, I know that you talk regularly to our fund managers. Are there any key themes which they're talking about, particularly at the moment? Yeah, I do. And it's, um, you know, probably I would say one of the one of the really fascinating parts of my my role is that I get to spend a lot of time talking with a wide range of investors and, and really getting a sense of how they're seeing the, the environment at the moment. Um, and in terms of looking at some of the themes amongst our managers that we're seeing at the moment, our high quality managers are really uh, taking a, a, a relatively cautious stance at the moment. So relative to the market, I think managers are generally not willing to take uh, large calls when it comes to interest rates. So not willing to make a call on whether interest rates are going to move higher or lower from here relative to what's already expected. Uh, but also reducing directional credit risk, I would say, is another theme. Um, the focus has generally been on companies and sectors that can weather any economic turmoil if we do enter a downturn. So think about companies with defense. The borrowers can be a little bit more resilient to a growth slowdown. At the same time, we're really looking to avoid companies that might be more susceptible in the event of a run. So that might be commodity issuers or retail issuers. Some themes have been really focusing on some of the higher quality banks with good capital structures, uh, telecom issuers with high barriers to entry uh, and strong demand for broadband connected services, as well as utilities, which you know at times are, are relatively uh, unloved, but at the moment you know we're, we're seeing a bit of a pickup there. But really, there is a focus on staying liquid uh, and being in a position to take uh, to take advantage of any opportunities that may arise. Thank you, Chris. That was super comprehensive to learn more about what, what what's on the minds of our fund managers. So, Chris, Alan, thank you so much for your thoughts and time today. This has been an insightful discussion. So if I think about some key takeaways from listeners, so number one, by buying fixed rate bonds, you can take advantage of current interest rates. And we've discussed that a lot today. Number two, if you're looking to buy these, our view is to spread the risk by using funds, which diversify away from individual companies or governments. And number three, when you are looking at a fact sheet or for a fund, think about the risk of the people you are lending to. So this is the credit risk how long you are lending the money for and the yield to maturity, which Alan covered. While attempting to look at past performance, the future is likely to be quite different. That's it for another episode of Word on the Street. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation. All tax rules can change in future and their effects depend on your individual circumstances, which can also change. We don't offer personal tax advice. You should obtain this independently if you are unsure. Investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.